0: Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots, Seahawk, it is our commitment to you that you have complete access to the top professionals, industry experts, and products for your fire service. We stand by the service and products we provide. We are proud of our past and we are constantly listening to our customers and exploring new ways to bring better options to the fire service. This is Seahawk. High level, safety, service, security. Please visit our website at www.seahawkservice.ca or give us a call at 1-888-791-4210. All right, welcome to Grown Up Fire, Season 4, Episode 2. I'm still having a hard time getting my head wrapped around that it's Season 4 here, but uh, in the studio here with Ryan and Alex from Lesser Slave Regional Fire Service. Hey, boys, thanks for coming out. Thanks, thanks for guys. having us. The, I hope this uh, you guys get more excited looking as we go along. As I don't want to lull you guys to <laughs> sleep here, but uh, I know Christmas was uh, a long time, and so everybody's still in that what-day-is-it mode, but... Uh, We'll record a quick one here and and see how it goes. And so for me, it's really, I just want to catch up with you guys, right? Uh, I was in Slave Lake for a long time, but now I've been gone for a long time, four years. You know, we still get to have connections and see each other. Um, I come up here or you come down there. Um, doing some good work together so kind of want to highlight all of that stuff what's going on and then we're definitely going to be talking about your new rescue because that thing is tight everyone check out my socials for that you can see the pictures of that or just go to lesser slave site and see it Um, that thing's a beauty so new faces new jobs that are around right Uh, mike bissell's the deputy chief now Every time I come there, there's a new batch of kids. I know Ryan and I know Zach, and that's about all I know for as far as other people hanging around there now. Got a new admin support assistant up front there, Bianca, who's a firefighter in the system. So how do you keep track of it all? (laughs) Because if it's that bad at Hall 1, the other four Mm -hmm. halls must have a lot of turnover too. So.
1: Yeah, I think that the, the rule halls aren't doing too bad. We've had a few f- fresh faces in the last year, but the full-time staff, definitely uh, Ryan and I are the only two probably two years ago, we started Fresh Faces and a couple of those guys have left now. So yeah, like you mentioned, new deputy chief, new admin, three new faces in the last year and a bit on the crew. So, uh, and Greg, I guess has been around for a couple of years now as well, but, uh, yeah, it's, King. <laughs> yeah he's still smiling every day. So <laughs> it's, uh, interesting. It's lots of guys moving on to bigger and better things or, uh, you know, moving out of the province for other jobs. So it's always been that stepping stone for some of the guys to to come in, get their foot in the door, and then go on and and try different things. So, uh, as far as keeping track of it, it's day to day.
0: Day to day, I love that. It, it is true though, right? The farm team—you're you're losing players to the big the big teams all the time. It also creates its own chaos, right? I used to love it because you get new ideas and new energy and new. But I used to hate it, right? Ken Block still owes me a bunch of lunches for all the guys he stole over the years. <laughs> You know it's hard to keep up with the training and things like that, and so you don't see it. You're there every day, and you're you get through it. I only come to visit every three, four, or five months, whatever. And to me, it's just absolutely insane. I'll look at the different plaques and and uh, rosters and things, and be like, "Wow!" Like I probably only know half the people on this list, right? So for you two um, and Greg to kind of stick around and get everybody through the process, I think other people relate to that, right? They lose firefighters for different reasons, going to places or retiring or quitting or whatever. But for you guys, like this was a a top year. I know we're not quite done yet, but what's the number for calls so far? Uh, We're just shy of 680. (laughs) So, So even four years ago when I was there, I don't think we even hit 500 one year, right? So it just keeps going up and up and up. You have new faces, new people, right? New processes, all of this stuff. I sit back now in my nice cozy office and think, man, how can people do that?
2: Yeah, I think that it's hard to. You get them to come in and you try and give them like the lowdown of this is how the service works, and then I think with every new position, some stuff changes, which is good for us too, right? Like it's uh, you know the guys on the crew look after special teams and. We don't really dictate how special teams are done. We give them an overview of special teams and every time new someone new comes in, there's new ideas and new, you know, we, we give them a budget and this is what you can spend. So a lot of the equipment ends up staying the same, but you know, sometimes they come in and they have, hey, can we try this training night instead? Yeah, as long as the team is on board with it, then you know, you can try it out or, hey, you know, this process is something I learned somewhere else and they try that. Uh, I think we saw a big one with the admin changeover. Char had been there the the longest uh, at the time when she quit uh, out of all of us, so that was a big one, right? That was the first ever admin assistant, and then the longest, you know, she was the only one that ever did that job, so there was definitely some stuff that changed when she left because she can't give 12 years worth of knowledge across to one person, and even though she works in the same organization, you can't just download 12 years of everything, right? So I think we got her to come over, and we all had meetings with a new person, and made sure that she kind of had an idea of what the admin position did. And then there was a lot of stuff that was just like, you know, if you see a process that you think works better, as long as we're capturing the info, just do it. Right. So. Just don't get the chief all fired up. He'll (laughs) start talking about his abandonment (laughs) issues when I left again.
0: We we just worked through that
2: over the last four years,
0: but, but it is true. And I, and I think that you're kind of writing a book that, I don't know if it'll ever get out of draft. I mean, it didn't the whole time I was there, Alex, I'm sure you don't feel like you're ever going to get it out of that, but maybe Is that the best kind of book you know you're always updating it and
1: yeah I think part of it too is we've had so many fresh faces that I think even our our ability to to teach them has changed so we we've stopped the basics and started kind of we expect some some of these guys coming in there's some of these people coming in to to have a level of knowledge and and we're starting at a different level I, I think it's just because there's been so much turnover that it's hard to start at the bottom and I, I think maybe that's hard on some of the new people because they, they're expecting more and we're only able to give so much. But when you've had 10 new people in three years, it's hard to continue to start at the bottom every time. So they, uh, they very quickly realize how busy we are and that they're not going to get to sit around and learn for a long period of time, but they embrace it, I think. And lots of smiles to go
0: around even when we're all suffering and trying to just get through the day. Yeah, and I mean, at 680 calls some days, must be horrendous, right? I mean, every time it snows or icy roads or wildfire season or you know, even this summer when I was kicking around, I think I got to see each one of you once or twice. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually stayed at the fire hallway more nights than that. And I still only got to see you guys kind of that time, right? A lot of texting, a lot of phone calls. How's it going? And But it just gets so busy that it consumes your life, right? And I think that you're two really good people to talk about that because, you know, Alex, you've been married for a long time. Ryan, you're about to get married. And uh, that home piece is the key to keeping it all going, right? Knowing that the house is still running and the, right, even if you're not there for weeks on end. So we'll let Alex go first because he's got the most experience here. <laughs> I think
1: having having Carrie and, you know, the kids support at home is, is you couldn't do without that. And and being now with the kids growing, and we'll talk about it later with the rescue, but Carrie being able to come out and, and travel with me and when we picked up the truck, that goes a long way. And you're right, knowing that, you know, things at home are being looked after uh, sure makes a difference. I don't think I could have done it. Uh, starting to have kids, I was lucky. I, um, You know, I started b- before the kids were born, so I kind of got to grow into that. I see a lot of these these guys coming on with young kids, and they just can't balance the two, so it's hard for them. It's, it's the getaway. You go home at the end of the day, and you're able to come in and sit down and have supper and relax. And I think Ryan and I, are, because we've been around for so long, we get through some of the weeks and just kind of look at each other and not know how we did it. how we got through that week of students and calls and training and everything else that we did in the week and then we had a week like last week and we were just kind of brought us back it was a bit slow and quiet because all the students were gone and and we all could just kind of sit down and think for five minutes and we probably got more done in in a couple days at our desks just with not having anybody bug us for long periods of time so but it does the home support definitely
0: means a lot and it's it's very much needed the old survival high five in the hallway
2: and no, no words are needed, eh? just like it's Friday. See you in a couple hours, probably. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I, think it's the same for me. The The nice part is that, uh, you know, Alex is in emergency services, so she understands a lot of it, right? And the nice part is I, I don't feel like uh, I ever struggle with the work side at home. Like, it's nice to be able to go home. And one of the big benefits, I think, for me is I can go home and talk about, like, something that happened at a call or, like, express my frustrations on a call or something that happened that I didn't think was going to go the way it should have or whatever. And she actually understands some of it, right? So she can sit there and I, uh, I can't imagine offloading that onto someone that doesn't necessarily understand all of that. Right. So I think that's definitely a nice piece. The hard part is, is definitely case. especially when it gets busy and you don't know if you're going to be able to take them. Cause you know, there's a fire outside a slave, which happened last year or whatever. But I think it's good for him because he has three parents that are all in emergency services and we all get it. And we have those conversations with him lots too, right? So it's good that way for sure. The good news is me and Alex are both gone for a little while because we're both in that line of work. The house doesn't get that dirty or (laughs) or anything. Nothing really happens here except for the odd night's sleep, right? So that's good. On the other side of the coin too, I think it's good that if we're busy that
1: they can stop in at the fire hall and visit with us too and hang out for a few minutes and CS
0: us on the other side of things. Bring some lunch. or yeah. I don't think you have to worry about Case and I called the other day and him and his grandma were playing Disaster and they really didn't have time to talk to me because yes. they were in the middle of a big <laughs> earthquake, tornado thing. So I think he gets it. He's all dialed in on yeah. what's going to happen. He's going to have time. it all figured out by the time he's 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's definitely growing up fire. No question about it. Hmm. All right. So both of you in your careers, kind of as you transition, right? Firefighter all the way to chief for you alex firefighter to i think you're a captain now ryan i can't keep track you get these different positions and it's it's fun it's not fun it depends on <laughs> what's going on right alex you and i have talked about this a little bit before but let's go back to that like be- best job you ever had out of all the ones you've had so far
1: well most, most definitely the deputy fire chief uh you get to you get kind of that best of both worlds you're you're doing some of the management stuff you're still kind of on the floor but I'm not going to lie being a fire chief is pretty cool most of the time I use the 90% rule and 10% of the time it's just it's one of those things that you have to put up with but 90% of the time it's the best job ever and you can get through it it's with a good support crew and we have a great support crew at the fire hall right now you can get through anything
0: not bad not bad (laughs) try to beat that coots what do you got
2: (laughs) I don't know. I think every step of the way along since, you know, my career started, I try to just take in as much as I can at each level. Like, I, I think I have things that I loved at each level, right? Like, it's awesome when you first started as a firefighter and you just get to ride in the back seat and do all the cool jobs and, you know, don't have to think really at all, except for about yourself and, you know, your partner. And then, uh, you know, I, I drove for... You know, probably three years pretty consistently and I love that too and being able to to drive um, obviously like driving and pumping and stuff like that and that was fun and same thing you kind of just get to uh, take care of yourself and that's it and you know the, the crew responsibility as far as getting there and stuff but you don't have to really boss anyone around or anything like that and then I do like where I'm at right now too, though. The the officer position's good. It's, it's nice in our service. It's kind of like a middle manager job. So I still get to ride the truck. And um, I'm lucky that we have an administration that's super awesome and, you know, lets us be involved in lots of conversations about where we're going and what we're doing next and stuff. So uh, yeah, for, you know, a department our size, I think it's a great position to be in for sure. Nice. I'm going to tell you, I miss driving probably the most out of
0: everything. I don't go on the calls at all anymore, right? I'm the head of the wheelie chair crew there, so um, I don't get to drive fast. I don't get to have lights on. I don't get to test the public. I don't get to teach the public. I just got to go do my thing. and If I get a call, it's very rare, and it's 3 o'clock in the morning, so I just go there in my pickup, and nobody's ever in the way. I would say I miss that. I, I miss the you know the way that... the sees part as we drive down the road. And it's like, everyone's like, "You, we know you're going, right? And there's always a few idiots that don't get out of the way, but that doesn't bug me. It's all the ones that do get out of the way and do get, right? And people will be honking and waving and it's like, hey, that's pretty cool, right? People understand the job we got to do, so. I going to say,
2: clearly you haven't driven for a while then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's always some idiots. I said
2: that. <laughs> I think that's definitely for me too. Like, I'm a little bit of a control freak, probably like you and uh the drivers always He was looking at Alex the (laughs) The drivers always (laughs) drivers always make fun of me because I'm I'm constantly holding on to the holy shit handle on the side or whatever and they're like is it my driving is it something I'm like no I just I would way rather be driving this truck than sitting in the passenger seat but I can't and I get over it and I get to do the driver program and all that stuff so we try to make sure that everyone's as competent as possible but I, I don't think you could be with the best driver ever and I'd still be holding on to the handles and Watching everything, right? Some might wonder why we have such a good driver program, right? <laughs> 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 there's another podcast. <laughs> another.
0: There's the chief <laughs> calling you out. Yeah, what? All right, so let's go a little bit to Zach, right? He's taking the PCP program now. Ryan, you just took it a couple of years ago. So I love this program that you guys are doing, right? You help them with days so they can still go and get their normal pay. Um, you send them to the school. I think it's so many days on, so many days off. They work some days when they're back. So you're building your medical abilities, which is important in a place like this. But you're also investing in firefighters. We'll start with Ryan, right? Because <laughs> you took the program, and I'm guessing it's not easy to
2: take school. And yeah, I think it. Uh, you know, we found a school that allowed us to do four on four off. That's how they they run their program, and it's obviously for people to still be able to take some shifts. Um, it's uh, it's definitely hard, right? Like uh, I felt like I was trying to work as much as I could when I was back, just because I didn't want stuff to fall behind or whatever. But uh, it's a great program to try and be able to work and go to school at the same time Um, there's lots of programs out there that allow for that in different schedules and stuff and lots that don't But it's cool to see, I think, the progression too, right? Like for Zach, and it was probably the same for me, when you're in the course, you don't really see how much you've learned and stuff like that. But then for Zach to come back and get to go on calls and, oh yeah, that, I just learned about that last week. Or even just like the questions he's asking a patient or we're going to a medical call and we know what it is. And it's like, hey, should we do this, this, and this? And we can have those conversations. And I think for him, there were certain points in his program where he's like, I don't feel like I'm learning anything and you're bashing your head against a wall, but for us sitting on the other side, you could see that he was learning so much every time he went in those four day stints. Right. So yeah, it's cool. I think it's awesome that we can offer that and get people to, uh, you know, just advance their career and it advanced their career. And it also helps us at the same time, obviously. Right. So it's important for the medical calls and stuff like that in our level of service, but it's also awesome to have those people around in case one of our firefighters gets hurt or anything like that. Right. Just knowing that we have some higher trained people and more equipment and stuff for, you know, the training center, God forbid something happens or to one of our own firefighters on the fire ground or whatever. So I think there's uh, some more, it is about the medical calls and that level of service, but there's more to it for me that, you know, I feel like if one of the people that I have to go to fight with every day, happens to have a medical emergency or gets hurt, we can, you know, do some more stuff about that as well. So I think that uh, you know, there's tons of people listening to this right now
0: that either want to go and get some more training or they have to support it or fire chiefs that are trying to find the money or the even just the political will to make it happen. Alex, what would you say to those guys that are like, I, I want to make it happen. I wanna do it, right? There's obviously some challenges in a program like this. It's been successful for you guys so far. It looks good. It's working out and it's kind of led you into some other training which we'll handle next but what would you say to all those people that either want to go or that are trying to help support a program like this how do you get it done i would say find a course if you're if you're
1: able to that works around schedules i've seen the stress that it caused these two guys to do it but at the end of the day i think ryan hit it on the head making sure we have somebody there for our own people we're, we're not always guaranteed an ambulance or, a um, you know, close by. So if something was to happen, we know what happens because we've heard of it. We've all heard the stories of guys being on scene and something happening. So I think you, you need to look at the benefit of it. And then also we have a pretty extensive medical program and these guys are ones doing the training and now they have that level of knowledge, right? So find a way to make it work. Uh, you know, financially, it, you can always figure something out. Uh, time-wise might not be today or tomorrow, but you can always put the timelines in there and, but at the same time, realize the stress you put on the people that are taking the course and give them the time to be able to step back when they need to and and unwind before they have to tackle it. I, I really learned at this time with Zach because I got to see him more and the stress it was causing him. So just make sure you're giving him the time. Yeah, to... to see
0: him at home too and not just the, yeah. Right on. Well, good advice, I think, from both of you. And, and, you know, I think this kind of leads into so now you're running this program. And last season, we had the students, the two groups of students, the PCP firefighter ones, and the ones that are just taking their 10-1 with you. And so that program's awesome, right? You joined up with the local college and and Lakeland and running this program. and, And I think that you can really see the benefit of it already like those kids are there and I don't know if you listen to those episodes or not I'm not putting you on the spot for that <laughs> answer. but uh, I think that they were so excited and so right the fire ones especially I think that a couple of them had been to Slave Lake before and knew what they were getting into right another one listened to me talk about it and when I was in Nova Scotia and I think had expectations which you've more than met since they've been here so why don't you both? We'll start with Alex this time, but talk a little bit about the program and kind of you know what it brings to the service and and kind of where it came from and where it's going.
1: It's amazing how an idea, a couple of people sitting around a room talking about something, how over time it can morph into what it is today. Uh, I remember the conversations very early on about what it would look like, and I think it was born out of a need to start. Of finding ways to to bolster our service, especially uh, you know during the day when we don't have a lot of people around. So the idea was, for lack of better terms, getting getting people to come here that would spend time, and what could we give them to make that worth their while? And then getting schools on board, which was another lots of conversations in the background to make it work. Still, you know, there's still some of the learning curves that we have going on with that. But the idea was born to, to bolster the fire service and there's a huge need for medical in the fire service right now. So so that was kind of the idea was what can we do to get firefighter medics through a program that at the end of the day, they have experience, they have knowledge, they have certification and they can be hireable in just about any market. Uh, you know, let's say in Alberta or or Nova Scotia, where those couple are from. and And this was kind of that fit the need, so we brought on a couple of schools, worked with them, uh, we, you know, figured out the certifications and the different courses they're going to get and at the end of the year, which for us is June. Our hope is that these students can walk away with some certificates and, prefer, you know, probably a letter of reference from our fire service says, "Hey,
0: you've been here for a year, you know, you, you worked hard, and and hopefully they can start to find jobs uh, fairly quickly after that." Yeah, I think that uh, when you look around at some of the the good work experience programs, right? Big White's got one, Creston's got one, or then some of the schools, right? ESA, Lakeland, there's, there's schools out there. I think that some of what misses the mark is nobody's really bringing it all together, right? So here you get your paramedic, you get your firefighting, but you get 680 calls (laughs) of, of action and experience and living in the fire hall. And so it kind of brings it together in a, a pretty meaningful, pretty crazy way in a, I mean, I'll just say it, the longer I'm away, the more I see it, right? This is a special place to get a firefighting education, right? And so for these young people that are taking this training, it's crazy to think the experience together with the training and education they'll have when they come out the end, right? For all the ones that came before, it took a long time to get that. A lot of them got it, but it took a long, long time, a lot more years and a lot more time, right? So... Now, that being said, I mean, obviously, it adds to the day-to-day stress of the operation. So I guess we'll go to Ryan for that one, right?
2: Yeah, I I mean, I think... We've been lucky that the municipality supported us in getting a temporary position for the first year just to see how it went. And that's definitely helped take a load off. I don't know if we'd be able to do it with just the staffing that we had. It's it's definitely a lot to manage and a lot of those like JPRs and making sure that somebody's on top of all the other stuff. The other thing that we learned the hard way in some of it is, is uh, it's is six more people that have stuff going on in their lives right and these guys really have stuff going on in their lives they're trying to pay for school they're trying to make sure they don't fail any of the programs there right we have almost a hundred firefighters and search and rescue people And uh, we just had this conversation the other day about like mental health and who has what going on. And it's like, we always have something going on. We need to stop worrying about, oh, we have a bad call and we need to try and help them. Like there is always someone in our service with a hundred staff that have something going on in their life that they might need help with, or they might need a little more leniency because they got stuff going on or whatever. Right. So um, this just adds to that. And those are six, the, the six positions or the six student positions are... Those are going to be ones that have stuff going on no matter what, right? You know, bringing them in that even if they're the most switched on person ever, they're going to go through those ups and downs of being a student and trying to drink through a fire hose and bashing your head against the wall, trying to get all the information in, right? So, um, But I think the program, when we first started talking about it, we wanted to, like Chief said, build something where all of the students that came were very you know, at the top of the hiring list for everything that they get, right? And because of where we are and what we've been doing, I think it kind of morphed into this is what we're gonna give them because this is what we would want our firefighters to look like. And and you know, talking about some of that turnover and stuff like that at the start, I think this these programs help that, right? Like these are the programs that we would look to. We just hired a guy from ESA who went through a, a similar program, had some experience with us before, right? So when we go to hire, we look at these programs where these guys are coming out with so much of that knowledge. So it doesn't take that five, six, seven years to build all those courses and build all of that stuff they at least come with the back bone of the the courses and then they can gain the experience so yeah, we, we really wanted them to be able to come here for you know almost a year and get all of that experience as much as they could. The PCP portion, like Chief said, it's just it's something in the fire service right now that's been trending in a certain direction, and I don't see it changing anytime soon. Unfortunately, like
0: sixteen in the next three years. Yeah,
1: exactly. I think uh, another part of it too <laughs> is we essentially become surrogate, surrogate parents for five of these. One 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 was no one to Slave Lake, and no was a bunch of the firefighters but the other five probably had never been here or or passed through and the, some of were young folks had never left home So all of a sudden they moved to a different province or a different town and they basically became our responsibility. And that wasn't something I think we thought about at the beginning. Day one, one of them ends up in the hospital from eating the chicken on the plane. Don't do that. And we basically had to become his parent and his guardian for 48 hours while he got through that. So a whole other learning curve to us was we didn't just bring in students. We brought in, you know, essentially family that we had to care for. And, you know, we're not sitting there making sure they're making their bed and eating, but they got to be making sure that they're getting fed and you know making their bed at the end of the day so
0: yeah, and it's not really spread out like a paid on call you go there once a week or you go there a couple times a week and you see everybody but they have their own kind of support mechanism at each hall to right call them the den mother or whoever that's going to help take care of them uh, here you bring them right into the the day-to-day full-time fold right and so I can see what you're talking about for sure right I would have never ever when i switched to working with career firefighters thought that i would have so many visits to my office that start with chief you got a second <laughs> which it never means a second ever <laughs> um, it probably doesn't mean 10 minutes right you got to help deal with their lives and and the things that are going on so um, good good points for sure and and they are young i got to meet them all there and Definitely, your typical university
2: student that you know—they're away from home, like you say, maybe for the first time. Or it's hard too because like they're some of them are over at the Northern Lakes College, right? And when you're an instructor, you get to see like a small snippet of when they're there, even if they're a full-time student. These instructors only get to see them for you know online and then one week, and and they have to deal with some of that stuff too. But for us, like it's all the time. And the difference is for them versus us is like the Northern Lakes College has guidance counselors and. They have access to that if they want to, but they don't want to because a lot of it has to do with us. So now all of a sudden you're playing counselor, you're playing dad, you're playing mom, you're playing the bad guy, telling them to make sure their mess is cleaned up or or whatever, right? So it's it's so much more because they're in your life all the time, right? They are there all the time. They're on shift. So you see some of them a little bit more on different weeks than others, but they're there constantly, right? So their problems are more likely to come to you and and it's good because we can help them. And I think it's helped me for sure, try to bolster those skills of trying to work through problems with people and, you know, giving a, a shoulder to cry on or an ear to listen to, or some advice maybe at some points, you know, and things like that.
0: They got the pressure, right? Like, one of them's uh, trying to be a fourth generation firefighter. Like, don't say there's no pressure there to to do good and to get on and to be part of it, right? Some of them are far away from home. Nova Scotia is a long ways away from home, right? So, you know, you talk about your one female firefighter that's going through and being, whatever it is, six hours away. That's far, but being... Six provinces away is a lot farther, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, it's tricky, but it's also good. They come with this notion, right? So for me, Jacob, you know, it was fun to see him here. He grew up in the in the old Slave Lake Fire Hall, with his dad being a firefighter and playing firefighter in the bays until he kind of grew up and started coming back and was helping out. He's helped out with lots of big events that happened over the years here. Chad, right, who came in 2018 for the CVFSA conference, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I think, you know, that was something that hooked him and why Slave Lake would be a good choice for him, right? And so, you know, it's pretty cool. And then how it spreads, you know, Ashley Ashley Whitlock's talking about Slave Lake in the school program she runs in Edmonton, and one of the students from there ends up being in the program. And And so, you know, I think that it's one of those, like, your reputation works even when you're not there. That's the nice thing about a reputation. Good or bad, it's always working. It's always, and, you know, Slave Lake, you guys have a good reputation, right? So you're going to be able to draw in students and to take care of them, and then that'll go and spread. I remember the first group of guys that went to Edmonton. To be honest, you're from Edmonton. How many people have heard of Slave Lake, right? But then all of a sudden I become friends with the fire chief because he's like, well, it's a group, good, good group of guys. I met them at the training and you know, thanks for doing a good job and we'll take them the rest of the way. And now those guys are, I don't know, been on the job 15 years or whatever, right? So it's fun to see how it kind of grows and, and moves forward. Acres Emergency Vehicles, a message from our community. A person who is risking his or her life to save the lives and properties of others deserves something as reliable as an Acres Emergency Vehicle. This is our mission, to thank these people with the best gift we can, our best effort. Our commitment includes a firefighter-driven design, manufacturing integrity, personal and professional service. We are here to serve. We guarantee personal and professional service every step of the way. Acres Emergency Vehicles, built for a life of service please visit our website at www.acres.ca So let's go back to 2018 to CVFSA, because I don't think it would be the same if the three of us were in a room together and we didn't talk about that great conference. Because I think that that's one of the things, there's many, many, many things we all went through together that sparks the conversation. But I think that's one that really let us know that the training centre... Right. Disaster village was built. It was there. People came, they saw it, right? I know Alex, you probably still have nightmares about having to do a billion things that weekend while you were there. I try to just put those all out of my mind and think of all the good times and all the good people. You know, and then Ryan, you were young there, right? You were full time already then, but you're a young guy trying to so let's let's start with you. What what did you remember from the twenty eighteen CVFSA conference?
2: I think just, you know, like at the end of the day, being able to host something of that magnitude and have so many people come from across Canada and so many different options for different training that you could take and just bringing people together. You know, every event that we had where there was tables, it was always people intermingling and getting to meet new people and stuff like that. I look at it now and like some of these places that host these big conferences every year, I'm just like, and they do it like annually, right? Like FDIC is a team behind them, but there's a lot of smaller conferences that do it every year. And by smaller, I mean kind of what we put on at CVFSA and that wasn't a small conference, right? It was small compared to FDIC, but it's still a big conference and took a lot. And you know, for just to put that on every year is crazy after seeing it once here. But at the end of the day, like I think just the the amount of knowledge and people getting to meet each other and the different stuff that took place there. How we got to showcase our fire hall and our training center was really cool. Got to meet people from pretty much every single province and got to put people through some really cool different courses that they didn't see before. We had the the MVC stuff with every different type of tool there was guys on our department that definitely didn't use every different type of tool before. So that was cool. Right. Um, guys coming from like Nova Scotia and some of those places that don't do as much wooey stuff. And we got to put them through a little bit of sprinklers and stuff like that, which is super cool. Like just something that they didn't really think of. And now fast forward Burning seven some years down and, and yeah, some fields and stuff, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's uh, yeah, I think just such a cool experience to, to, put uh one word to it but it was uh, a great experience and i i wish that we could do it every single year because it would be amazing but uh just the yeah the amount of work that went into it i also think back on it and i'm like holy man that would be (laughs) crazy it's probably a good place for the chief to take over
1: (laughs) i I think looking back at it now it amazes me how well it went with you know there was there was some things that popped up but they were small Mm -hmm. and they were dealt with quickly it was there was definitely some frustrating times during the conference, but at the end of the day, it was nothing that was really major. To me, what stands out in my mind is the relationships that were built. I, there's still people to this day that I text. You know, Christmas was a couple days ago and sending text to all those guys. I went out to Nova Scotia a few months ago and unfortunately wasn't able to hook up with a lot of them, but was still able to text and getting tips of where to go or what to do while you're out there and different things like that. Just the, the relationships across the country, um, you know, and then being on the board after that, that kind of led me into being on the CV say board for a couple of years and and it was because of that conference and getting to see you know what that organization could do and, and getting to be a part of it. so during that weekend definitely some high stress but at the end of the day it went off super well uh, very well planned out um, before the event happened and then just the, the, the lasting effects of those lifetime
0: relationships that were built. I remember being terrified that we'd said yes. <laughs> and then we just started <laughs> interesting there was you remember <laughs> and then we started fundraising and i remember like we needed a lot of money seventy thousand dollars or something and we're like how are we gonna but then everywhere we went people just kept saying yes all the mills the oil companies the you know cn all these places uh, and then money just started taking care of itself honestly and i think that that's one big thing for a conference like it has to be well funded well supported because there was a lot of problems that popped up but i think with money you're able to take care of a lot of problems right you need more food you need more whatever you can do it with money so i think that there was so much support for it right it was the first i guess the only time in western canada at that time it just was like hugely supported right all of our own people showed up um all every all the board showed up everybody showed up and so as i think about you know how do you keep things going i think less about conferences and more about kind of training symposiums i think i um, trying to put on annual training stuff but uh, i'll always think back to that and it just links in so much right jason he's coming out here now he's going to be a deputy chief down the road and you know he. This is all part of him coming out here and his kids here taking training and that that's all part of it. It didn't put us on the map, but I, I think in my mind, it put us on the training, you know, how to run a conference, how to, you know, get people to work together, map, if that makes sense. So. How
1: to run a conference. Hard to believe that in the fire service, you can be good at so many things and running a conference is one of them. Yeah, or isn't one? Yeah.
0: Or one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's our story. We'll say we're good at. Yeah, <laughs> <it>. <laughs> nobody can tell us different. There wasn't a lot of negative comments. It went no, well. absolutely, so. yeah. yeah, They still talk about it lots of places, and not that the other ones were bad. I mean, we've all been out to the yeah. the ones in uh, Nova Scotia as well <clears throat> all the time, and we'll every time I ever went there, it was great and well run and fun, and I think it was just different because it's your backyard and the training center, right? So. Speaking of courses, you guys are still uh, developing courses all the time. So you got the SPU basic, the SPU advanced, you do hazard reduction training, burning training, engine ops. I probably can't list all the things that you're into right now as far as uh, all the cool wildfire stuff goes. Um, we had you down to do some training. I think it was in the spring last year. Everyone still talks about that. You're headed up to do some more training um, in the spring this year, which is uh, great and we're excited about but uh, man, like this is a lot of things to tackle. And I think back to FireSmart meetings, <laughs> 2011, 2012, right? Well, just give us some money and we'll, that money is long gone, right? The uh, ability to say, hey, we want you guys to develop these courses probably left with people that retired. And and so you're, you're doing all this stuff course stuff right and you got people from bc from alberta all over the place helping out developing these courses still training doing all this stuff let's talk a little bit about that right to be in the game you're 12 years since the slave lake fire right you're seven years since the fort mcmurray fire 2023 was just last year so easy to see why you're still in the game but what's it like to continue to be leaders in developing these courses and moving this stuff forward
1: i think part of it is take all the other stuff away it, it benefits our own people we've a lot of other people besides myself but i say we in the general sense have developed these courses and and we're really trying to get our own people to take them and then anybody else that takes them outside of that is an added bonus the idea i think it was kind of we want the information to be out there that's truthful and accurate and it's going to potentially save people's houses or lives so continuing i think my my motto is we need to have good training for our own people and if it costs us a few hundred dollars every couple of months to make sure those books are developed and the courses are developed is it really like we spend a lot of money on other things that probably doesn't have as wide a reach as this does so there's really no harm in investing in training that's going to affect that many people and then still being Having a voice with some of the, the people at the province to be able to have these courses still out there and being talked about and possible potential for them to be utilized in other places just an added bonus at the end of the day.
2: That's, that's kind of how I see it. You know, at the end of the day, it was always from the start about firefighter safety and just teaching the right thing for the right way. And I think the reason that, uh, like Chief said, why we stayed with it is we saw, you know, it was 90% of the way there anyway. So why not put in a little bit of extra so that our people can continue to benefit from it and continue to uh, learn new ways and different ways to to do all of that stuff. I do feel for Chief. I think sometimes he is a, a great, uh, I'm a little bit biased because I'm part of it, but a, a great team of people that, uh, you know, are part of that instructor group. At the same time, I think, You know, during those busy times, he probably feels like he has 12 more staff than he actually does. And uh, we're lucky we don't pay those staff that much money to continue to be on it. But there's weeks where we have three or four conference calls with patrick you know leading up to probably coming right up in the new year trying to plan all the courses and stuff and it's 12 more people that have their own personal lives going on and you know oh, i can make this no course type like personality <laughs> yeah, exactly. either, right? yeah. <laughs> so I, it's been awesome i one of the things that's the my most favorite about the the program is that all of these really good people who have come through Slave Lake as firefighters paid on call or full time all get to stay in this group and every year I get to meet up with them you know at least once twice a year and get to see them through teaching these courses and stuff and I think it's I think we saw last year that it's beneficial for Slave Lake too right like we we were starting to burn out after a month long fight of being in high prairie and all over the place and 13 different places and finally had a fire in our own backyard which we were worried about from the start pretty well and we kind of burnt the the end of our wick trying to help everyone else and to be able to just call upon those guys and be like hey can you guys come and help was awesome right we have two guys who you know have been immersed in this we immersed in it for a long time here and now have stayed on top of it from you know all the way through and for them to be able to come up and actually help us boots on the ground, right? So yeah, a lot of it is course development and teaching and stuff like that, but they're still so immersed in it that it gives us extra people and ex- extra experience to call on. And I think every time we've ever asked people to come up, it's been like the drop of a hat. They make shift trades or whatever, change their plans and um, they're up here and willing to help. And it's just been cool to keep in contact with all those people. Yeah. It's a good way to not uh, let the resource walk out the door,
0: right? I'm lucky too. I get to work with a bunch of you all over the place, different provinces and different uh, courses. I see it, right? I see the passion in the textbooks and the courses. I see the passion in the delivery, right? Um, and then you, you heard Alex talking about it, the passion that behind the project, right? To say hey, it's it's important. It's still an important project. We're still, we're still spending money on it, but it's all good money, right? And really when you dollar for dollar you're not bringing in outside people to teach those courses like you're, you're probably actually saving money while you're developing all this stuff and being a leader in this stuff so yeah if
2: we had to pay for a course like this to come in every single year it'd be 10 grand to put you know 15 of our people times it, how right? many so it's yeah, yeah you had 100 people yeah. right
0: so it's uh yeah yeah i think it's a uh, it's been great to watch it kind of uh, develop and move forward so that's awesome um all right so we're not running out of time, but we got to get to that point where we're talking about a big old rescue truck that <laughs> rolled into Slave Lake here just this month, right, from uh, acres over in Manitoba. And so, of course, I, I want to talk about the build process, right? So the pre-build, the middle build, the final process. Chief got to drive it home, so he's obviously pumped to talk about his 12-hour drive in a rescue <laughs> truck. <laughs> but uh, I, I just... It's important for all those people out there, and I try to talk about this every five or six shows, so that we can help people figure out how to build a truck, how to build the truck spec, how to do the RFP, how to pick a vendor, right? And there's so many out there, and there, there's so many good builders out there. It's hard to pick, right? But it's an important process that sometimes people are buying these you know, up to million dollar rigs with zero previous experience. So this isn't like buying a pickup or a car or... The process might be the same but what's comes out at the end is expensive and you got to be on top of it so why don't you kick it off for us, Alex, and kind of talk about the idea and the starting part of it.
1: Well, I think it starts with a knowing knowing your replacement plans or if you're buying a new truck. We were very fortunate or are very fortunate to have administration and council that are very hands-off. Once they approve the budget, they, they understand the need for it and they just let you kind of do it. So they're not getting involved in the day-to-day or how much money is being spent once the budget is there. We had an existing rescue truck, so we were able to to take what we had and know what we wanted more of or adding to it. I give Ryan, and I, I've said it to his face, so much credit for the extra hours that he put on his own time. To make sure that the truck that we had built was what we wanted for the next 15 years. Uh, we started a couple of years ago, A, getting, you know, getting a plan in place and then taking it to, to council to get approved. And once it was approved, then, then the fun started, I guess. So none of us had built the truck before from the ground up. So we reached out to some of our friends at Seahawk. They came out and helped us with the RFP and put it all together, kind of just some of the do's and don'ts. Walked us through that program. We got it out there. And as soon as it got out, Started to get you know the messages. Hey, this that. They had some questions about the stuff that we wanted on the truck. Maybe they weren't familiar with, or or had a different idea for. Us, so we'd answer those questions as best we could. And then once once they were in, we were able to select the vendor that we wanted. And Seahawk, uh, sorry Acres, was the uh, successful um, you know RFP. So then it was time to purchase the chassis. And we kind of went a different route to start. And when that year we went out to FDIC and we were able to look at thousand different fire trucks and configurations and I'm sure Ryan's phone still is out of memory because of all the pictures he took of all the great ideas and that's when we kind of talked about going a different route with the chassis. So fortunately, we were able to to change the plan. We were, I was able to come back and change the budget a bit, get it approved, and then, yeah, once the chassis was was ordered, it was waiting. And it was painful, the amount of time in this day and age, how much we waited just for anything. And then we one day, we got a phone call that the chassis was actually being built. April of this year, it was delivered to the fat to the manufacturer in Manitoba, and then it really started to get going. You, you kind of just day to day, you don't hear much, and then one day you get a phone call, hey, we need you guys out here for the mid build. So we hopped on a plane and and to see a progress, I guess was was super cool and interesting, but at the same time it was a big silver piece of tin on the floor and a chassis sitting next to it. We, we went out, did our stuff, came back, and four weeks later got a call that we need to go and do the final. And then to see the truck, we walked in the shop and I, it was that first gut feeling of, holy crap, that's a lot of truck. But actually getting into it and seeing it uh, up close, starting to realize how awesome it is and how well it was thought out, pretty exciting. And driving it for 17 hours was super awesome, except hours, for the first three right. <laughs> um, through a snowstorm in Manitoba. <laughs> Uh, but that was, it was all good at the end of the day. Especially so. when you're from
2: a province that has no snow yeah. when you went out there. <laughs> yeah, the
1: first snowfall of the year happened to be the day before we got out there. So <laughs> um, no, other than that, it was the learning process. The learning curve was huge. Uh, again, never, never being involved or, or from start to finish in building a truck and just all the things that we were able to do during that process to get the truck that we wanted to do.
0: I had to laugh because when you told me you were going out there to pick up the truck, I just immediately started laughing. And you're like, it's a bucket list for me. I I, I want a wish list thing. I want to go and do it. And what I was actually laughing about was your old rescue. I flew out to Winnipeg (laughs) and picked up from Fort Gary and drove back when I was the fire chief in Slave Lake. And it was the same for me. I absolutely wanted to do it. It was a bucket list thing. I took Kim Romaniac with me and it was the longest trip of our entire (laughs) lives and it was i mean obviously the driver's seat was nice it's air ride and the passenger seat which your wife is familiar with (laughs) now is not as nice right and so to me it was just like that's great right you you kind of baby this truck idea from beginning to end and you just want to go pick it up and, and bring your baby home and you do it and then you find out it's just like a super long drive <laughs> and you find out why you're the fire chief and not like a long haul truck driver <laughs> or, or any of those things right but uh, it was it was great to see your face and you're still smiling when you got to to Chestermere. so that was cool so ryan a lot of the inside the guts right i was at fdic with you guys and Got bored and wandered off after about the 200th truck meeting there. But I got to see some of the ideas from FDIC in your truck and remember them. And I remember Tim telling me a story. I think it was you sent him some pictures or maybe they were there and you had a bunch of tape on the ground in the bays and you were trying to figure out which equipment or maybe it was even Chief telling me. But I just laughed because
2: I was like, man,
0: that's, that's so Ryan, right?
2: Yeah, I think it's good to talk about it on the podcast. Cause I hope that people do take it serious. Um, again, I'm super lucky that chief, you know, let us be a part of it. I, I see a lot of places where, you know, the chief didn't ever get to build the truck before and they just want to build it. But at the end of the day, you guys both know you're not the ones using the equipment day in, day out, right? So it it is important to have you know committees or people that, that put in the work and the time to make sure that all the equipment's there. I got super lucky and I'm just a nerd and have a whole bunch of social media fire stuff everywhere. And uh, one day I just watched a video about how important it was to make sure that it was all, and this was like years ago. And that just kind of stuck with me. And once we finally, we got our first CAD drawing, we knew we wanted to change some stuff around right away, different shelves and stuff. And then once we got kind of like the CAD drawing, that's like, okay, this is what we're going with. We can build on shelves, but these are where we have a rollout or whatever. Then I got it blown up into a a picture as big as this table. And then it, it really started, right? Like measuring equipment and i'm sure the guys at, at work were pissed off too because it was always like hey go measure this i forgot how long long the spreaders are or how wide the spreaders are or whatever right in some of those measurements you find out when the truck actually gets there they're not perfect either because it was outside dimensions instead of inside dimensions and it is hard when your equipment's in one province and your truck's getting built in another province right it's it's definitely difficult to to make them see exactly what it's you're superior, seeing. You're building trucks in red. Yeah, exactly, right. It was a lot of time spent for sure. It was a fun process. At the end of the day, I think the biggest thing for me was I just wanted to make sure that I've been frustrated with our current rescue or our old current rescue now uh, for quite a while. Cause we, you know, when we just looked at pictures the other day from when you guys got it in 2008 and there's like pylons here and a water bag here, and there wasn't a whole bunch of stuff, but we've added so many levels of service since then that for the last, all of our trucks, if you've been to Slave Lake, you know this, if you haven't come check it out, we're very much, everything has a place, everything in its place, our stuff's laid out nice. So it's easy to use. We don't have a whole bunch of stuff packed away. And for the last probably three years, that rescue was just packed full, right? Like we had a tripod in the back and our emergency scene ahead sign that the emergency scene ahead sign probably didn't get used for the last five years. Cause you had to move like 82 things to get it out and actually deploy it on the side of the road. Right. So that's not functional for what firefighters need. So that was the biggest thing is like, we need to make sure that, and it's crazy, you know, like we, we went to a, a way bigger truck with way more space, but we filled it up. And, um, you know, we were just talking about this the other day and I think chief said like it's full. But it's nice, right? You can see everything. You can pull it. You don't have to move three things to get something else. Like everything you just pull out, take off a strap and you have the equipment, right? So it did fill up quick. It filled up more, I think, even than I thought, which is weird because I was trying to measure out where everything was going. But uh It's good because it's all just right there. It's easily accessible. I think it's gonna work out really well for the firefighters. I'll put the
0: video up. You can also see a bunch of pictures on their social media for Lesser Slave Regional Fire. It's all done. It's built, right? You bring it home. We're gonna talk about the Slave Lake part of the delivery first. So obviously people are waiting for you when you pull in because that's just how it is at a fire department.
1: Yeah, I think we kind of, we had a plan. It was, the plan was we got it home early Monday or, or mid-afternoon Monday so that we could have it here for practice. Because of the weather that we drove through, it definitely needed a bath. So the <laughs> we snuck it into the wash bay and then uh, we kind of had a plan for a push-in ceremony about 6.45 that night. So we, we brought it around all nice and clean. There was a few people that snuck in and got a chance to look at it, but for the majority, they knew that it would be there that night. So they were able to, to come down and see it. The hardest part for me, I won't say this too loud to Ryan, but... Come Thursday, Friday after it was here, the, the guys wanted it in service. And to say no that many times, <laughs> uh, we we I had a plan and we wanted to stick with it, give everybody a chance to come and see it and drive it before it actually went in service. But by Friday afternoon, I was almost ready to say, let's just do it. So they'd stop bugging me. But then they finally stopped. I think we got a call and they stopped bugging. But yeah, it was pretty exciting. Uh, you know, we rolled into town and and there was a few that Keeners that knew and they got to the hall right away and were able to. And, you know, there, there's always little things that people are going to nitpick at, but for the most part, everybody's
2: just totally happy with the with the result. So I think one of the coolest parts was there was a few firefighters that had missed like the practice before, or maybe the practice before that, where we talked about like, hey, we're going to get it on this day, and this one's gonna be here. And I had one guy come up to me, and he's like, oh, he's like. Uh, Where's the rescue? Because the, where the rescue normally sits, it wasn't there because the truck was getting pushed in. And I was like, oh, it's over there. And he's like, oh, how's the new rescue coming? I was like, oh, it's in the wash bay." He's like, what? And he just like turns and like stops talking to me and walks away. It's yeah, just be Beelining yeah. it over to the, right? So there was a few of those that didn't know i guess because they just missed I, I don't think we ever sent out any like i am respondings or messages about it it was always just like we talked about it so much for a year and then those couple people that maybe missed that practice of like this is the day it's going to show up and uh, he happened to be one of them and he was just like what do you mean it's in the washbane gone right so i don't know how they did this
0: but they talked to alex into coming the what would be the long way <laughs> to slave lake from uh so we got to see it we were having our christmas party and alex showed up just perfect on time and backed it in and it was kind of it was chaos because there's so many kids in this fire family but uh and then we're kind of having supper and it was like hey okay the rescue's here but he's got to go so everybody and when they finally saw it they were just like ants coming out of an ant hall, right <laughs> can we open this can we and he just like open everything turn everything just put it back how it is because i've got to drive still and so it was really fun for them to go through it right we're probably going to get something similar to it um, with some walk-in components but uh it was great to kind of try everything out and then to be able to come here and see all the hard work you guys have put in over the last couple weeks to get it up and running and and uh it it really does like everything has a place everything in its place so for an ocd firefighter it's like
2: wow that's that's nice right i think that was one of the hardest is like i had the plan of where everything was going to go and we did have to make some minor adjustments as always with measurements and stuff and you know just people like ah would it be better there or whatever and we did all that kind of as a group and then I've never really worked with that pack track stuff. So I didn't, so now I have the plan of like where it's going and we've all talked about it as a group and we're going to start putting it back. And I'd, I can't just put stuff where I want it to go though. Cause I, I don't know, like I, I have an idea, but so we were really lucky because Mike actually did Wabiska switched all their trucks to pack track a few years ago. And Mike put in, I can't remember what he said, like almost a hundred hours or more of like just converting everything right yeah i know why that happened (laughs) (laughs) so between greg and mike it was awesome right like we just had it all laid out where we wanted the equipment and then those two were like bees from a beehive just get everything done and have it all mounted and then onto the next compartment onto the next compartment so it was uh it was cool and i think we would have been a few more days for sure without mike being there helping cuz greg's awesome and he's an absolute maniac but that's just a big truck to mount a lot of tools yeah, in for right sure. so <laughs>
0: i've seen it right so check out the video okay guys so thanks for sharing that thanks for sharing this whole uh, day with me i can't believe that we're we're through this already and uh, kind of to the end so follow the process right listen to this as many times as you have to listen to alex talk about what the process is and all the parts that go with it and then the inside components from ryan um, I think you guys did a beautiful job on that truck. When you see a truck that you kind of helped build and design go and be replaced by such an awesome truck, you're just like, yeah, get that one out of here. <laughs> 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 this thing is way better and and uh, fits the times, right? F- fits everything. Uh, only thing makes me sad about it is it means I'm 15 years older and <laughs> and uh, it is what it is, I guess. So thanks for being on the show again. Thanks for sharing all your thoughts with everybody Yeah, uh, thanks, thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.